1: My guest today, Jeff Spinard, has been involved in Internet Radio Now for 10 years and influential in its position as the future of radio delivery across the world. As CEO of Voice America, he continues to build upon the strength of a media output that continues to change the face of media convergence in this ever-moving technological paradigm. <music> Jeff, welcome. Oh, thank you, David. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you. And, it's a pleasure to be here. And as uh, uh, as the backbone behind my uh, my program which has been a splendid um, success story in such a short time. Yes, it has. Of which I am so grateful. I'd like to start this off by charting your background from younger days. Sure. And and how you saw radio then, and whether or not you even saw this as a business that you wanted to go into?
2: Well, uh, first of all, I'll start off by saying it's been about seven years since since I've been on the radio. Um, Much more of a behind-the-scenes guy than on the air, but let's go back uh, to the younger days. Well, we'll take that into (laughs) account. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Okay, back, uh, I say I started it in the media business, the radio (laughs) business, when I was 23 years old. Uh, So we're going back about 16 years now. Uh, When I first started out in the business, It's funny how I get into it. I used to work with a gentleman who I trained for a sales position way back in the day. I was actually in Los Angeles at the time, and he had called me and said, Listen, i got a great opportunity. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about getting into the media business. And he actually put the president of the radio station on the phone. So at the time, I was doing great in L.A., and I wasn't really looking to change any kind of uh, career. I wasn't wasn't looking for a different career move. Uh, But a year later, I ended up going back to Rhode Island, Uh, The station I initially started working for was a 50,000 watt talk station in uh, southern New England. Uh, I started there, I learned the ropes, started off as an executive producer, mainly working with, it was a brokered radio model, so what we would do is we would contact potential uh, hosts around uh, the central location. Uh, we would bring them to the to the studios. We would teach them how to do a show. We would work with them all the way through from start to finish to try and build something that they were going to be able to expand upon. <clears throat> I would say I didn't really have a full a full knowledge of what I wanted to accomplish uh, with the actual hosts themselves. I would say it probably took about a year before it went beyond just a quote unquote uh, sales career. Uh, this is the, the point where I actually became a true executive producer. Uh, what I started thinking about is, okay, what can we do to make this a reality? So at the time, myself and my brother was actually working at the station at the same time. We collaborated, we got together and said, okay, what can we do to make this a better opportunity for the people we work with? So what we did is we created uh, a, whole new, a whole new way to operate a broken radio uh, uh, network. So we worked with the hosts, we actually helped them, we called the other we got them involved in working with syndicating their show to other to other stations to build on what they had. The whole concept of hosting a radio show especially because we're not a cookie cutter format with your uh, Rush Limbaughs or your G Gordon Liddy's, you know, the, the regular cookie cutter format. We had a an opportunity that didn't exist uh, for most people. So we would work with them to get the show out there. So we rearranged the way the operation was working. So we created a scenario where people had a platform where they can build on relationships. They can open up the door to other potential clients out there. Just build a platform or a soapbox that would take them to the next step. So that lasted, uh, I was with that station, it was W-A-L-E Radio for about four years. Uh, then the owner of the network, after we had changed the operation, became very successful in the business. Uh, the owner ended up buying the station in Phoenix, Arizona.
1: Can you, just going back for one second, can I interrupt? Sure. What is the definition of broken radio?
2: Uh, broken radio, basically <laughs> that's a model where uh, the hosts or sponsors will pay for the time to do a show. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> that's the model we work with, which is still kind of the model we work with today. But again, there's evolution in the business. So going back, uh, the owner at that point bought a radio station in Phoenix, Arizona. At that time, I had already had four years under my belt, was very good at my position, could work with executive producers and teach them how to do the show and actually create a mindset for them where they understood what we were trying to accomplish. So I ended up moving out to Phoenix. Uh, we packed up the radio station. Corporate office was now in Phoenix, Arizona. I uh, came out here and I was responsible to train all of the executive producers that came aboard. We were starting a new station in a different city, uh, and we were expanding on the on the program we had already. So the good news is now the hosts that were with us in southern New England had the opportunity to syndicate their show also to Phoenix, Arizona. So now we're covering two, two, two markets, Phoenix being a more of a major metro. Uh, Providence was maybe 32nd in the, uh, in the, the market uh, uh, scale whereas Arizona at the time was 15, which if you understand radio, it, it's a good, it's good presence in the market. Market 15 and 37 and, and there's about 240 markets in the country. So they were both excellent uh, uh, stations to be on. But my job, like I said, was to work with and train the executive producers to teach them their job and create the mindset that they needed uh, to actually build a a quality network. Uh, I would say probably in 95, I had met, uh, it's funny, uh, one of the the girls that programmed uh, a music station that at the time was known as Boombox Radio, uh, parent company was Surfnet Media. I met the, the the woman, she came in, she worked for the station. Uh, we discussed, uh, she came to me and said, can we do live talk, because was, there was a talk model at KFNX, uh, but it was a talk model. Uh, she said, can we do this on the internet? And I said, I don't see why not. So what happened was she set up a meeting with the owners of Surfnet Media at the time. Uh, so I went down, I took uh, one of my colleagues with me, uh, and we discussed with the owners of Surfnet Media. Uh, the the opportunity to create talk radio on the internet. Now when I heard this, immediately the lights went on. Uh, what I thought and what I figured was, okay, we're talking about an opportunity to immediately reach a syndicated audience. The internet has no limits. Anybody with access uh, could listen to the network. So immediately I was thinking, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to really expand and really you know, grow my skills And work with potential clients that had the opportunity to build a niche community and to create an audience uh, that is global. So I was very excited about that opportunity. I would say it probably the first meeting went okay. Uh, Again, they were a new; it was a new network, Surfnet Media. It was owned by uh, four guys. Uh, They never had done talk radio before, so there was some transition. We brought. Uh, the engineer over to kind of take a look at what equipment we use inside the studios. Uh, he came back, they hooked everything up, uh, made sure they had engineers, board operators, it was a very skeleton crew. Uh, but it took about two months before I went over uh, to actually start with, uh, with Voice America. Uh, so technically I'm one of the co-founders of Voice America. <clears throat> We started uh, with the operation uh, 96, I'm sorry, it actually started in, in uh, 2001. So, you know, there was a, a little a, a little time lag, I was still at KFNX at the time, actually went over and started Voice America in late 99, early 2000. Uh, it took roughly about a year and a half to build any kind of solid format. I would work with some of the people I worked with previous that did shows on KFNX or WALE. Uh, They came over, started doing the shows with us. Now, in 2000, uh, internet radio was probably uh, before its time. Uh, Wasn't a huge mainstream, so it was very difficult to get the show good, to get the actual content, and to get a a regular format scheduled. Uh, So it took about a year and a half before we ended up creating a nice variety channel. That's where Voice America Variety comes from. But when we started off, it was just Voice America. Uh, Now, that's our portal page, now you can get to any one of our eight channels through Voice America. But what it started with is uh, business, finance, health, entertainment, sports, it was a variety of all content. Uh, So again, like I said, that took about a year and a half. Uh, Shortly thereafter, we decided, okay, we're in a position where let's grow the channel, let's grow the network. Uh, I wanted different channels, I wanted them genre-based. So what we did was we launched the business channel. Uh, Business Channel was a nice channel to launch simply because we had a great partnership uh, with the American Cities Business Journals. What we did was we ran uh, roughly, I think it was about two million banner ads that were rotating throughout 41 different markets with the idea of, okay, host your own show on Voice America Business. Now, what that was designed for was to have people call us to inquire, okay, how do I host my own show? Uh, As it turns out, it was more of an outreach program and having this promotion for the network on the American cities businesses, 41 Markets, was actually the push for us to help build that channel. Uh, That channel we had established probably in about a year. Uh, Shortly thereafter, now we have the health channel. We launched the health channel, it was probably the fastest growing channel that we had. Uh, There's a lot of different varieties uh, in the health field. You've got your naturopaths, you've got the homeopaths, you've got your general doctors, you've got your specialists. So it was actually <coughs> a genre that was very easy to work with and very easy to bring quality content. Everybody wants to know about health, nutrition. You know how to, you know how to stay young. Everything. So it was very easy for us to actually build that, build that channel. Okay. Shortly thereafter, uh, with the help of Mr. Randall Libero, which I believe you know very well, uh, we were able to launch the Seventh Wave Channel. Okay, and that was actually one of the that was a. a, a a quickly grown channel as well, uh, and it happens to remain one of our strongest channels. Voice Maker Variety being the strongest, Seventh Wave being number two on the network.
1: Okay, so so in this initial period, especially if you look back at 2000, people were still struggling with computers, let alone what else. What were the main challenges? Because uh, I don't know about here, (laughs) but back in the UK, Radio was beginning to diminish as a media outlet probably by the late 80s in favor of television. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Because when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid back in the 60s and 70s, everything was, you know, dad would wake up in the morning, the the Roberts radio would be switched on and you'd be listening to all the BBC all day long on the radio. People don't do that now Mm -hmm. uh, because people want a quick fix. Right, right? And then there was the television and I'm not sure that television is even popular now. So... In that period, let's go from 2000 to say 2004. Mm -hmm. What's the main challenges of actually getting people to even listen to radio on their
2: computer? Well, well, like I said, (laughs) we were probably ahead of our time. Uh, It was very challenging to build any kind of audience whatsoever. But like I said, with certain marketing outreach, I guess the the primary reach to, to gather and to build an audience was through the hosts themselves. At the time, we probably had maybe 40 to 60 hosts that were doing shows with us. So the primary outreach was creating what we call an postcard, which is designed specifically for a show. So it would have, okay, who the, who the host is, who the guest is gonna be for that week, a little description of the show. That was put together, given to the host themselves, <clears throat> excuse me, and they could go ahead and they could distribute that to their database. Like I said, it was it was. We were way ahead of uh, ahead of our time. We are actually the pioneers in live talk. Do you, do Nobody you, was doing it before we did.
1: Do you think that even today that still may be the case? Uh, and until you until you have you get to the point where people are literally carrying around a box in sure. there. Uh, Well, I guess they are now, where they They plug it into the Bluetooth into the car Mm -hmm. and instead of turning the radio on they can plug this thing and they can listen to internet radio. Mm -hmm. Have we finally reached the point now where this whole media delivery is is at a
2: point where it's going to actually flip and work? Uh, I think at this point we are now (laughs) entering the era way, yes, this is the way to go. Uh, there are more and more. There's about 78 million people on a monthly basis uh, that are tuning into radio broadcasting, and that number is jumping significantly on a month-to-month basis. Uh, we sit in a position right now <clears throat> where, with the marketing strategies that we have in place, uh, you know, s- uh, cellular phone access, smartphones, uh, devices that are designed specifically. To pick up internet radio, uh, there's a lot in place right now that is making uh, World Talk Radio Voice America a very uh, uh, a great place to come to and, and easily accessible. Uh, so with, again, with the marketing strategy we have, the whole goal for 2010 is to really make Voice America a household name.
1: At the, and and not wishing to keep going back, but one major question is when you first started this, and I and I'm thinking that you probably started. Uh, The concept in the middle 90s. Did you think about using both uh, terrestrial radio and internet radio at the beginning to enhance each other or did you just say, no, I'm gonna go straight
2: into internet radio? When I first started this it was straight internet radio. Uh, Have I dabbled in the syndication to terrestrial radio? Yes, I have. Uh, I just see uh, a bigger a bigger reach, uh, more of an opportunity to uh, to to create that platform. That's going to be much more beneficial to a host or a show with internet radio than a terrestrial radio. So, yeah, I, I, at this point, I look at both, but I still firmly believe that the internet radio model uh, is by far superior.
1: I have friends in certain high places back in London who strongly believe that terrestrial radio is going to be phased out.
2: Mm -hmm. Is that that your feeling as well? I agree. I I don't think radio will ever get phased out completely, Uh, but I think there's been a huge paradigm shift in the way content is being delivered. Uh, More and more advertisers, sponsors are looking towards an internet model. It's much more cost-effective, has a much larger reach, Uh, and there's much more you can do. For example, if you go to Voice America, you see the banner advertisements. There's video uh, commercials. There are audio commercials. There's much more bang for the buck, so to speak. So when you get your when everybody's transferring to the internet to being an internet listenership, everything else is going to transfer as well. Uh, I uh, again, I don't see. I do see a paradigm shift in the way uh, that it's going. Traditional media is taking a big hit right now.
1: Interestingly, you use that
2: word <laughs> outreach. Yeah.
1: Um, was that a way of Allowing people out there to be, become not just spectators but also creators. Yes, yes. And and so they can with your model, they can start that from scratch. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's an interactive model. <clears throat> uh, it's not just okay. I'm on the airwaves and it just goes well. I guess in some capacity, yes, it is. Uh, but like I said, it's more of an outreach. Uh, you know, there's much more hosts can do with the show as well as in a listener with the show too. What do you think the, um,
1: the implications are worldwide in terms of uh, understanding better of culture, creed, economics that, that would be represented in data that you probably haven't got at the moment? But what do you think is going on with what you're doing that you haven't even considered yet as, as being very powerful? Mm-hmm. especially in the next couple of years.
2: Okay, well, you know, I'm not sure I fully understand the question, but when we're talking about uh, any type of show, uh, track, if you're talking about stats and tracking uh, for no, programs.
1: because I, I'm not sure, does it really matter at the end of the day about stats? I mean, y- your shows are going to reach throughout the world. That has to have a huge implication sure. on educating people People all over right, the world right. through what you're doing right. that you cannot do with terrestrial radio, well, you, know you know what, cannot well, do with television.
2: Right. When you're te- the, the the great part about what we do is we are able to work with so many different professionals, so many different industries. That it basically comes down to community community base. Uh, when people do a show, uh, they create a niche, they build a community audience. So the educational factors, the outreach, uh, because we can reach the world and target certain markets, target certain demographics, target certain niches, uh, we're able to help uh, that host build the show. Understand, I say a lot, the host, the host, because my position, what I do, is I build programming. I work with clients uh, who are hosts on a daily basis. Uh, Audience is definitely a huge factor in what we do, but working with each individual host to build that niche community uh, is what we're all about.
1: What, um, what would you say generally looking at all your hosts are the types of programs that they're producing and, and the frequency of programs that they're that they're producing? I mean, are they once a month or once every two okay, weeks? Okay, yeah, no, the
2: way we work is <laughs> a majority of my hosts will do a one hour a week segment. I do have hosts that might do five days a week. I've got hosts that do three hours a week. But I would say a majority of the of the hosts that we work with, uh, will do a one hour a week segment.
1: I guess for those who want to do five programs a week, <laughs> you send them to the local evaluation hospital. Oh uh, yeah, right, right, for
2: treatment. Exactly right. <laughs> Evaluate yourself first, then come back to me. Right. <laughs> but oh, yeah, so an hour a week is the general. Uh, general run that we do with the show. Now again, if the show goes well, I mean I have clients that do, uh, they start off on a 13-week pilot series. Uh, we're establishing whether or not it's a good fit. Uh, if the show goes well, we're getting good feedback, uh, we'll talk about uh, renewing the show, possibly in a longer term. Maybe it's an annual contract, maybe we're moving the show up to two hours a week, but we're f- we're feeling each other out in the initial uh, pilot, se- pilot series. So once that's done and once we figure out, okay, yes, we can work together, We can build and grow the show. We'll move forward on that. Uh,
1: For those who are more technologically minded, and and I think neither of us want to go too far down (laughs) this road. (laughs) But how do your programs
2: uh,
1: become guaranteed of, of, of having listeners abroad? Do you have
2: servers... Uh, throughout the world on different continents. How does that work? Yeah, I work with a CDN network, which is a content delivery network called Highwinds. Uh, so they will give me uh, the backend uh, statistics on you know what shows are doing what and where listeners are coming from. Uh, what I do is uh, I have my vice president of broadcast operations oversees that entire process. So once a month, we'll gather the stats and the numbers and we'll see who's doing well, what archives are being listened to, uh, who's listening to live shows? Where they're coming from? Uh, if it's growing, we'll we'll break up the stats, and that allows us to work with the host moving forward down the road. What are the um, greatest
1: wins that you've had in the last couple of years? What do you think the the
2: greatest moves forward that you've seen occur? <clears throat> okay, that's uh that's a tough tough question. Now, there's been a lot of. Uh, a lot of different wins, so to speak. Uh, I would have to say one of the biggest wins, and unfortunately, this is this is coming now. Uh, the biggest win that we have in the day, okay, going back a few years, I really think we've been, it's been kind of a, a foot on the chest, so to speak, uh, to grow the operation. Uh, there are a lot of things that have been good in the fact that we've been able to upgrade some of the marketing. Uh, the client base or the host base are becoming more of a high-profile professional. The outreach is, is is getting easier because the the clientele or the host base that we have have big databases where they're able to spread you know uh, the Voice America name and bring more listeners more listeners to the table. What I mean when I say uh, talking about now. <laughs> is moving into uh, 2010, uh, we've obviously uh, – we've worked this to a position where at this point I'm now the owner of the company. Uh, prior to that, uh, we were Motivox. It was a publicly held company. Uh, at that point, I did sit on the board, but I was always the president of the radio operation. Uh, there were certain, certain reasons. Again, we split off. Now we are a private company. Uh, the reason why we spun off the radio side is – It didn't quite mesh with the business model of the public entity. However, it was still a piece – the reason why I took it over is because I still wanted to be an arm's length of Motorbox, because they deal with technologies uh, that we're still going to utilize in the radio business. But the problem was any kind of – I don't want to say you know, profit, but the, the monies we were generating through the radio division were had to be spread out throughout the entire company so we can never actually turn on and reinvest into the radio division itself. Now we are in a position where I'm capable of taking resources and allocating them to the growth of the, of the entire network, which is why I say 2010 is going to be a spectacular year for Voice America. <clears throat> because I'm gonna be able to do things that I haven't been able to do in the past uh, with the growth of the company. Well, in what areas would they be? Well, number one is gonna be marketing. Uh, I'm working with several different uh, several different uh, partners and affiliates that I'm gonna be bringing to the table, which I won't mention as of yet, but uh, I, within the next two months, uh, there'll be full partners uh, coming on board. Uh, that's gonna help with the actual outreach and the marketing of the network itself But I'm also going to be able to work with this on an individual level as well. So I'll be able to work with hosts and create packages to really push that show out. Uh, We're working with, I have a gentleman that does a show with us by the name of Mitchell John. He has a tour bus uh, which is wrapped with Voice America. And what we'll be doing is he'll be traveling across the country. Uh, He's on the sports channel. so. He'll be at baseball games, football games. He's into the high, uh, the college and high school level as well as a professional level. So that bus, there will probably be about you know 30 million people that will see that bus all across the country. You know, so there's a lot of different things that we're going to be able to invest in to really expand uh, the, the listenership and the viewership of the company.
1: 2010 seems to be a pivotal year, correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong here. You are but I, I see a lot of changes, yes. not only across the world, in broadcasting, in convergence of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's going to be um, converging media between companies like Voice America, uh, television, streaming. Yes.
2: How can you become more involved with those other vehicles? Well, it's it's funny you mention that because we are already in the process and I've had several meetings already. Uh, we already have uh, a video division. Uh, we are going to be moving into ITV. Uh, I may have a partner right now that will be working on that. I've already, I've actually already acquired URLs for Voice America TV and things that I'm going to need to actually push this and get this going. If you go to Voice America and you go to the uh, the host pages, you'll already see that we have the video capabilities. We have promos, some have video promos, a lot of audio promos, but they're also capable to put video in there. Uh, part of the plan moving down the road, which is in the very near future, is to create the Voice America uh, box office. What that is designed for is to expand on the TV model or a working TV model, as well as possibly independent films, uh, pay-per-view events there's a lot we're moving forward and we're moving into when it comes to the the, the ITV space
1: do you think that that whole uh,
2: pay, uh, pay on demand is ever going to
1: really fly as a business model do you think you can yeah. ever ever expect people to to buy like that and and remain uh honorable to your to your
2: network to your your business model uh, I I believe we will otherwise I wouldn't do it I, I, it all boils down to who's actually who's who's got the 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 content that they're looking for the pay per view behind it. You know, if it's a big name, so for example. <clears throat> now this was promoted by Oprah, but uh, we <laughs> <laughs> yeah we actually were the platform. We created the platform and we did the pay per view model for the Eckhart Tolle uh, uh, motivate the the three segments that he did uh, through Oprah's uh, website. She promoted it. Uh, they tried to have somebody, I believe it was Limelight, it was one of the, one of the networks, to uh, handle the video and all the people coming on for the pay-per-view model. They couldn't handle it. We could. So we took that piece of business over. We designed – we developed a platform. We did the pay-per-view backend and we handled all that business. So yeah, I think uh, – and what I'm saying about that is if it's the right person that's utilizing the box office and it's promoted the right way, it's a great it's a great business model. Now, I don't think it's designed for everybody, but it's a good business
1: model. So, it sounds like Voice America is gonna start covering a, a whole myriad of different outputs here. That's what we do. How about your life? How, how has your life transformed with all of this?
2: Well, let's just say we went from, oh, a 10 hour day to about a 16 hour day. <laughs> Maybe 18, it all depends. <laughs> but I mean, are you? I'm, I'm actually very excited. Uh, this is probably the most excited I've been. I love radio. I've always loved radio, uh, but this is probably the most excited I've been in the last ten years.
1: Do do, do you think that though?
2: <laughs> I
1: remember when I was young, mm-hmm. back in England, and there and and this started from the war years, where there was a huge following on the radio. Sure. Radio Three, Radio Four, um, and and it was a different generation. I know, and then you did get into the probably into the 80s and there's no doubt about it my friend uh, Ian Burnside who's on the program this week who's a radio 3 presenter himself he's saying he's saying they're having great difficulty in getting retention mm-hmm. on on radio especially terrestrial radio which is I guess why they're moving into uh, into internet um, which is what they've been talking to me about sure how how can we change the the Current generation, and I'm talking about the the youngsters, right? Into wanting to be immersed in radio for its intellectual delivery. Is there anything that we can do to change their mindsets?
2: Well, I I believe it's kind of a uh, the younger generation. It's it's very mixed. A lot of the kids, you know, they can be more of an educated uh, talk show listener type. Um, it it's it's what it, it's all about. The programming. It's about the content of the show. If we have something that's reaching the younger generation, then yes, they're going to come over, they're going to listen to the show. Again, content is king when it comes to anything, terrestrial, internet, television, content is king. That's what builds your audience. So if you cater to the, the younger generation, you create programs around that, then you're going to bring them over. You know, and you mentioned about you know terrestrial you know hurting in, it, in, its, in its listenership. The bottom line is we're in an on-demand world. Uh, that's what we do. We're an on-demand network. Uh, we have a good live listenership, but we have hundreds of thousands of people coming every single every single month to listen to content that they weren't home at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to listen mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. So on-demand is one of the main reasons why there's so much listenership that's moving over to the internet distribution model. Is that, uh, is that
1: one of the, the greater benefits with what you do is providing that that
2: archive area for the huge, business. It's, it is a huge benefit. <laughs> uh, the fact that the, we have the live capabilities, uh, again, it's just it it's just like listening to terrestrial radio. Uh, except, you know, it's more of an interactive experience. Uh, you know, you're driving down there. you're listening to the show, okay, oh no, I don't have a pen handy, I can't write this number down. But here, you know, it doesn't matter when you want to listen to the show. You pull up an archive, you listen to the show. Uh, and you're all set on that end. So yeah, it's 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 a big plus.
1: So could it be that this is the year where we see that technological change, where we see some sort of uh, broadband-fed mm-hmm. mobile that people are going to literally walk around with, and I'm seeing it come within the next 12 months, sure. where they can plug it into their radio in the car, they can have it on them all the time, and and do you think it's a
2: likelihood that people are just going to be listening to, to internet radio? I think by the year 2012, uh, a, a, a huge percentage of people will be listening to internet radio and will have the capabilities and the devices where they can download and take it with them. And. Would it be in your interest to be part of that technological uh,
1: advancement?
2: Oh yes, yeah, so that pro- nev- that
1: progression. Oh
2: yeah, and that's that's what we'll continue to do as we move along. But that that doesn't
1: necessarily mean that you have to build the infrastructure behind it. You just have right. to be partnered with it. No, exactly right. right, right. So, what about the the whole thing of media convergence, where you've got these think tanks that are um, they're not looking just at the consumer anymore, they're looking at the advertiser, they're they're figuring out how that relationship can become more cohesive, Mm -hmm. how media convergence can work better so that something goes out on film, Mm -hmm. it has a story that a director directs. It then goes out in in radio and that story has to be uh, somewhat um, uh, manipulated to work for radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- how how is that going to work for you? How can you create um, such a good platform here to uh, to uh, make sure that that anything that's going out on, on on television or film or any other media delivery can be so successful in its output and its story that it's it's providing on the
2: internet. Well, wow, there was a lot to that question. There, <laughs> okay. First, if I understand this correctly, you know the distribution capabilities of whatever content it is uh, is having a platform that has direct feeds to go out wherever it needs to go. Okay, you know. So what we again the future the future of the business uh, and the way we're going to roll is that whether it's social uh, social media marketing. Uh, whether it's uh, land base, I'm working with uh, a company right now. Uh, again, I won't say their name. However, they are one of the biggest companies that deals with print, TV, newspaper, uh, internet, as every avenue you can think of where there'll be certain packages so that we're going to be able to work with whatever content we have that's going to be distributed to the right places. So it, it's all about taking the content and making sure it's getting out to the right audience and the niche demographic that that content is is put together for.
1: Yeah, because I, I guess one of the most important things is to ensure oh. that – take, for example, Avatar. Sure. Uh, it's hugely Great. dynamic on the screen, mm-hmm. okay, and it has this story. And how – Is it that we can keep that as clean, as dynamic, as strong, as powerful uh, by converting what you see there on the screen into being something that can be transmitted to an audience on the radio?
2: Look, okay, yeah, how can you convert I guess it's it? a uh, again, I guess it's yeah. a creative
1: question. Uh, it it,
2: it's a re, it creative really question. is a creative question,
1: you know, how how can you make sure that the story is as strong on the screen as it is on the radio?
2: Well, I think that has to do with uh guys like you and Randall getting behind the mic and actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> converting <about> it over <laughs> throwing it back in yourself. Oh, <laughs> well, pretty much. I mean, it all depends on who's sitting behind the mic and who can actually make the conversion uh and Keeping it out quality. Um,
1: do you know the reason I ask that? No. Is because I think one of the, and I'm uh, wrong or right, but I come from, I've come i been on BBC Radio sure. for years sure. and years and years, and I p- grew up listening to um, uh, Alastair Cook's uh, Letters from America for years and years in the 60s and all the Shakespearean plays on the radio versus the television. And my own personal feeling mm-hmm. is I think probably – at the end of the day, the strongest delivery of storytelling, of impact to anybody, mm. is going to be radio. I agree with that 100%. I felt that for years. I agree with that 100%. Um, I think that the television, um, yes, is wonderful, but it's in a way localized. I, there's, it, it's not as intellectually based. Right, right. And my goodness me, if I'm talking to any director, I always say to them, you know what, if you create something or you adapt whether it's a shakespearean play or whatever it is to be so successful and have so much clarity and so be so strong on the radio you have done something that 99% of people can't do i agree with that 100% because the, for especially for kids to get such a strong sense of emotion on radio mm-hmm. you, you've got to be good to do that absolutely so I think what you're saying in a way that is very much down to the the presenter of the radio That's exactly program what it's
2: about exactly
1: how do you um what is so impressive to me uh, looking at voice American you know I've come into this as being sure. established in the industry for six hundred years <laughs> uh, but I still look at what you do and i I like it because what well, you're trying to do is encourage spectators to actually do it themselves. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter right. if they don't do it right or if they don't do it well or whatever
2: it is. Sure. As long as they have a go at it. Oh, exactly. Which is why I was saying earlier, that's why we work on a 13-week pilot series. Yeah, I'll work with anybody <laughs> as long as they have the passion and the enthusiasm to do a show. Now, there are certain things that well, kind of, you know, for example, to do a show on the network, you know, there are things involved that a host has to do to be qualified to even do a show. Uh, but once we get past that phase, okay, we do a thirteen-week pilot series. Let's see what can happen. Uh, I don't expect you to knock them dead right out of the gate, but you know, have good conversation skills, know what you're going to be talking about each week, have a set format that you're going to go with, and you know what, we'll make sure that you get better and better each week. If that show goes well, okay. Now we're talking about something to go into the future.
1: Is that uh, is that an educational outreach? Oh, absolutely. In, in itself, absolutely. That that could be expanded so that you could you could have. I'm all about teaching kids and bringing sure. kids up to realize the importance of themselves and the importance of education sure. and the importance of of uh, of media output. Yep. Um, there must be a wonderful way here to create uh, an output for kids through Voice America, not just in this country, but anywhere over the right. uh, in in the world to be talking to each other. Right. Is that a long term goal that you have?
2: Uh, that is actually a conversation that I had roughly about six months ago. It's something we're we're talking about to create something for the kids of our, I'd say country, but you know, with Voice America, but with world with world talk. So yeah, it's definitely been in, in uh, conversation. What, uh,
1: what is going to be the difference, uh, and I'm not trying to go back over overall ground, but sure. what is going to be specifically in your mind, given <sighs> your experience, going to be the difference over the next 24 months that is going to completely um, see internet radio and streaming explode?
2: I am going to say what I am working on right now is literally going global with the network. Uh, I have, we own and operate voiceamerica.com and worldtalkradio.com. Voiceamerica.com has steadily grown over the last 10 years uh, and has become pretty strong. We need some more marketing, need to become more of a household name, uh, but we're a very solid, stable network. World Talk Radio, on the other hand, uh, again, part of the uh, overall company. However, uh, the way I want to utilize World Talk Radio, it's kind of a variety channel like our Voice America variety. But the way I want to work World Talk Radio is exactly what the name is, World Talk Radio. Uh, So I'm working on uh, several business models to actually uh, put together worldwide talk. For example, and I'll just touch base on this, it's in the works, nothing's done yet. Uh, However, I'd say we're probably at about a 70% uh, chance on this. Uh, We're going to be putting together World Talk Radio UK. Uh, after that, we'll be talking about World Talk Radio South Africa. We're going to literally go worldwide with the network. Now, with this, uh, not only is it going to be you know, an expansion to the company, uh, but again, once we have that established, TV is the next model. So again, there's a lot of growth in 24 months. Is really not a long time. Uh, 24 months comes quickly. Uh, but I see uh, exponential growth in how we're able to communicate on a, on a global level. Your own personal ambitions in the future, mm-hmm. Jeff? I want to be the biggest uh, online distribution network in the world. Is, is that all? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Not looking for anything big.
1: What about the operation in Phoenix? <laughs> you, you, you really have a, a smashing operation. Yes. Uh, you know that I've worked in, in uh, studios like the BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see it changing at Voice America? Do you see uh, the creation of satellite offices? Is that something on the agenda?
2: I'd love to see that, yeah. Uh, it, it definitely is something on the agenda. We actually had offices in uh, San Diego uh, and uh, Las Vegas at one point. I did consolidate. It was spread out. Uh, and the operation itself at that time wasn't ready to handle uh, different satellite offices. Everything need to, needed to be under one umbrella. Uh, as we have things put together and molded to fit what we wanted to fit, that's when I could think about expansion and having offices in different locations across the country. What about <laughs> oh, worldwide the, for that matter.
1: What about the uh, – <clears throat> what I would term as the economic meltdown that we're seeing right now—is that having an effect on the business and the progression you know of technology?
2: It re- it really is not having a huge effect on on the radio business or on my business itself, internet radio business. Uh, the people that uh, we deal with—I uh, guess the first of all, the good news is it's very cost effective to run internet radio. Uh, but the good news is. Uh, That we deal, if you listen to the network and you realize that we're dealing with, you know, these CEOs, we're dealing with high-profile professional doctors, uh, lawyers, uh, people in the upper echelons in the entertainment community. So we're not dealing with a client base that I would say is very affected by the economic times right now. Uh, Does it have some effect? Of course. Uh, but not as an overall. We're we're doing pretty well on this end. You know, the impressions that you get on
1: advertising, on Voice America, Mm -hmm. are they as effective, if not more, than advertising you would see on television nowadays?
2: You know what, it all depends. Uh, As far as effectiveness in the advertising and sponsorship world, I've seen, you know, situations where uh, there was not much uh, activity at all. Uh, But then again, I've seen other advertising spots that will have a 10 to 1 return. So it all depends. And you know what, you have to have an idea. Some sponsors will come in, and they'll back a show uh, that they feel strongly about. Others, they're looking for, okay, who's getting the most listenership and where should I place ads? Uh, so it, it all depends on what your product is and again, you know, it it takes it takes many, people have to hear it or see it a certain number of times before it really sinks in. Is that where your advertising will change when you start <laughs> streaming video more? Uh, well, actually, it's changing more now. Uh, yes, when we have the streaming uh, active, then yes, we'll, we'll go after the streaming advertising. But right now, we're getting into a position, and this is where the last three or four years has come into play, uh, our numbers and our consistency has grown. So we're actually stepping into an arena now where we're going to be able to uh, work with many more advertisers and sponsors based on the traction we get from the network.
1: In your final words about Voice America, would you like to just um, let the listener know um, what, what the listener and what we all have to look forward to with Voice America over the next 12 months?
2: Okay. Well, what I'd say we have to look forward to is uh, higher quality content, uh, well, the, the TV model that we're implementing. Uh, I, I would have to say you know, those are the two major things that we can look forward to. Uh, but quality uh, in educational factors, we're working on a lot of different things with speakers bureaus and all kinds of different things. Uh, so I just look for growth. Expect, you know, higher quality and uh, much more activity with the network.
1: Jeff spinard thank you very much for joining me today. It's well, very much appreciated. Thanks for having me, David. And to our listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this program as much as I have. If you need information on this or any other program in the series, visit davigibbons.org. And there is a fully functional blog if you would like to leave questions or feedback for any of our guests. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors.